complete recording. I have to turn voiceover off. Okay. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and speaking about um, your job as a publishing editor for the Michelle Thomas Method. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, no problem. Um, I've, I know that my good friend Ollie Richards of IWillTeachYouLanguage.com did get the opportunity to interview Sue Hart a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, you know, for his um, show. And she talked about behind the scenes of, of you know, trying to get Michelle to come on board and, and yes. create and how long it took. And I said, you know, it's funny. That's the only person I know that has, you know, went behind the scenes and um, gotten someone to speak about the method itself and Michelle. And I said to myself, I said, I'm in the States. You know, I have my own show. I use Michelle Thomas. And I know plenty of other people that use it, whether they're disabled or non-disabled. But they really don't know the ins and outs of how all this, you know, comes about in regards to, um, you know, creating the courses and what what it goes into and, you know, like... That's true. And there's such a story behind it, Um, you know, even going back to how Michelle came about creating the courses and developing his method and all of that. It's... um, one of the most interesting aspects, I think, of the product and often gets overlooked, I think. I'm one of those people where I enjoy um, learning about people and how they come about with their own particular method, especially one that is so tailored to people who are audio learners like myself. Um, Right now, I have a group of like 110 students from around the world, and half of them are completely blind, or they have some residual vision, or they're completely sighted. Wow. And and I've noticed a lot of them um, really, you know, they take to a duck to water to Michelle Thomas or Pimsler or anything that's audio. Yeah. And I said, you know, my first language with Michelle Thomas four years ago was Russian. And I found it on YouTube. <laughs> Lovely. And so... I, I took to it like a duck to water. Then I went and bought the digital course, um, and I loved it ever since. So mm-hmm. I said, if I love it, I can just imagine my um, viewers and my listeners from 88 countries around the world loving it, too. I just published, like, two episodes, one talking about um, me teaming up with you guys to, to work on projects. Mm-hmm. And that got that so far, that's gotten over 30 hits. And then I did a review of the uh, the foundation Japanese back in Jan- um, July, mm-hmm. and that got over 40 hits. So I said, okay, well, I must be hitting something really special because a lot of people like his stuff. So mm-hmm. you know, let me keep going with this because I have people from all over Asia and Australia, Europe, West Indies, Latin America, here in the States. And they really do take to, you know, wanting to know more about yeah. the, the method and, and how, how it works. And sure. 
And I think there's still a lot of people who don't know about it, um, perhaps because it did come out quite a long time ago, and obviously there's a lot more out there right now for language learning, you know, in the digital landscape and everything. Um, but I think, funnily enough, Michel Thomas was actually so ahead of his time in terms of how he created his courses that it's still probably the most innovative method there is today. Um, so if you want, I can kind of try and break it down um, and explain it and give a little bit of the background. Sure. Um, okay. I mean, just touching on that point of why it's still innovative when you have things like Duolingo, which are obviously amazing um, ways of learning and getting people to learn. Um, but what Michelle Thomas actually did is he took a whole language and he started to break it down into its simplest component parts. And then he said, okay, what of these parts are used the most frequently or are the most useful? And now I'm going to take those. So I'm going to kind of distill this language even more. And I'm going to start to introduce one little piece at a time. And that's why it's sort of the building blocks of a language. And, and through a technique of repetition and using mnemonics and um, just logical sequencing of the language, he's able to kind of reconstruct this um, in the person's mind. And that's why when you're doing it, you just it's like, okay, you take this and you take this and you put it together and what do you get? And you almost just say it without much thinking and then the repetition in the building. And what's fascinating is that this is what machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence and parsing, is attempting to do today but still can't do because language is so nuanced, um, you know, and it takes into account context and all these different things so that machines can't quite get around it. That he, and that's why it took him, you know, almost 50 years to perfect because he was perfecting it through constantly using it and teaching with this method to kind of make it as perfect and, and effective as possible. Um, so that's to me why it's still so innovative and why it simply works. Like he said, I'm the architect. I build the house. I give you the structure. And it is grammar-based and verb-based. Um, right. And then you go off and decorate it. So there's not much vocabulary. But it's a great way to just kind of start learning and using a language. Right. I mean, because when I started learning Russian four years ago, I used Mark Thompson's Russian Made Easy um, 30 Lesson Podcast, and that gave me a foundation because I didn't know a lick of Russian. I knew like five words in Russian, and that was it. Yeah. And after a week and a half of that, I was like, I need to find something else. I mean, I was able to understand everything from a grammar standpoint, but I still needed more vocabulary. Mm. So I went and I said, oh, let me look, Michelle Thomas and, and, and Natasha Bershapsky. Mm-hmm. And and I I love the way that that course was put together. Until this day, grammar is well for Russian is still somewhat of a weakness. Even though I understand Russian very well and I can speak it to a very high level, mm. yet yet it took me 
two and a half years to get to that point because I spoke for a year and then I did nothing but do a lot of listening. Mm. The Russian news, Russian TV, President Putin. I had to pick someone, so I picked him as. Why not? <laughs> and so, I mean, by the time year three got into swing, I was having a two hour conversation with my friend's mother in Moscow. She speaks no English. She wow. was German and Russian, and we talked for two hours, and it was the most effortless thing. I was in so much in love with it. I was like, oh, you know. And then when I started to understand Tolstoy, oh, wow. everyone was like, why do you want to read that? And I'm like, because do you understand what Russia has contributed to society overall, worldwide? I mean, some of the greatest scientists and and, and politicians and sports people and artists and artists and authors yeah right so I said for me I studied theater and film in college so that's my strong suit mm. and I go every time I learn a language that's the first thing I go towards is TV the movies some music depending on the language um, but mostly movies and, and, and books and I even found Harry Potter in Russia. Yeah, in Russian, but then I also found it in every other language. And people were like, oh my God, do you read anything else? And I was like, yeah, I do. And how but, did, how did mm-hmm. Michelle Thomas kind of help you with reading and listening to authentic materials, do you think? Um, I think a lot of it was the fact that I was like 100% motivated. And I tried Pimsleur. I've tried um, a few other courses, and it just didn't stick. Now, Pimsleur, it did stick as far as, like, the pronunciation was concerned, but it was a little too yeah. slow. It was okay. too slow, and I fell asleep. <laughs> so, so, and then on top of that, I'm like, uh, this isn't this isn't for me. I mean, I enjoy it to an extent, but I'd I rather do Michelle Thomas. Like, I will sit there and use Michelle Thomas first. I think because... It's active learning. Like you're constantly right. being asked to do something, to figure something out. So you really right. engage your brain. And I think in that way it can be very tiring. Like what I think some people think, oh, I just listen and I'm going to absorb it. Mm, yes and no. You, you right. have to listen actively and you have to actually speak and say the things that you're being asked to do in the prompts. Um, right. And I think that, yeah, you definitely don't fall asleep <laughs> You have to work. Well, I, I, it's kind of funny because I'm someone that likes to test my brain. Mm. So I like to see how well I can learn something in one sitting. So I took the Japanese foundation course that I have on compact disc in my house. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to do this. I know this is seven CDs. Let's see if I can get them all done in one day. Oh, my God. Uh, three hours later... I had to rest my brain, but I know I can go for three hours before my brain decides to go crazy. Then That's I amazing. Then I take an hour break or at least two hours, something like that. Let the stuff swim in my head. Go back, do this four through seven, and then, or I'll do half of it, and then I'll throw up what I already learned through the first half. Mm-hmm. On, video, on, on video and live feed on Facebook and some of my groups that I'm in and let people be the judge of how much I absorb of the course so I can get feedback 
because I'm always about, okay, I, I, I know I, I learned this. I need to apply it. Let me try to apply it. So that's kind of like my method. I'll, I'll do the course. I'll do a whole pass of it. And then I'll let it sit in my head and I'll throw up a video to show this is what I did after seven hours. And then people are blown away by that. Then I'll go and I'll use Mango. Yeah. And I will reinforce what I learned in the Michelle Thomas course. Yeah, the first that's what you got to do. Yeah. Right. And then see how much I remember. And then I'll do a couple chapters of it. And then I'll come back at the end of the week and I'll give a comprehensive video speaking in the target language, no English involved. I think I got like almost 500 views on Ollie Richards' group alone. People were just shocked that I was able to do that. Yeah, it's it's amazing because I've actually never heard anybody do it so intensively because it is a brain drain. And I mean, speaking as a user myself, I think I can do it for about 30 minutes. And then I'm just like, okay, this is too much. And I take a break. So we always say, like, even though the courses are about, like, eight hours, it takes about 25 to 30 hours to actually complete it because, you know, like you said, you have to go back and, and review it. Or maybe you kind of drifted off at some point and you want to um, practice it more. But I'm, like, totally in awe that you can do it so intensively. Um, and I think, you know, because it is an audio course and there are no strict lessons, like, it's not like here's 10 minutes, then you go into the next chapter. There is flexibility. You know, you can do it for five minutes a day or three hours in your case. Um, so that's really impressive. See, I guess because I have the Dutch, the Russian, the French, the Italian, the Japanese, mm. and the Egyptian Arabic, and the Hindi, I'm now, I've gotten used to being able to use them and because they're like one of my favorite courses, period. Mm -hmm. It for me, it's like I had in the beginning. I had to work my way up to that. Now I've gotten to the point where if I'm really motivated, I will do it from like six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, until about two, three in the afternoon, depending on if I do it from eight to eleven, I'm golden. If I do it from um, if I do it at night before I go to bed, that's even better. If I can't mm. sleep, I'll do it in the in the wee morning because I kind of feel that if you do, I always tell my students this, if you do a half an hour of something, whether it's listening to something, reading something, you know, do a couple chunks. Like if you're on Mango as a prime example, they have a chapter, a whole conversation, let's say it's six lessons, you do a lesson a day. You get the whole chapter in, you're able to understand what you just did within those six days. Or you can do two lessons a day and get it done in three days. But at the same time, you're learning the grammar, you're learning the vocabulary, you're doing what you have to do in order to be able to converse. But you also have to use the language. I mean, there are things in the Japanese course now that I'm doing for the intermediate side of it. Mm. And I'm, because I just started with it I'm going to play around with it and and learn it and then I'm going to do my review and while I'm doing learning I'm also taking mental notes because I take no written notes whatsoever everything is in my head 
Um, I don't use notebooks. I don't use grammar books. I don't use any of that. So um, when I'm using the course, I'll sit there and I'll look at every aspect of it, technically and otherwise. How mm -hmm. the teacher's interacting with the students. How many times are the students, like, messing up in the, in the course? You yeah. know, okay, what, what was it that they got right the first time around that they didn't get right the second time around? And then I sit there and I say, okay, well, I'm listening to the teacher because they're giving the correct answer as opposed to the students because that will throw me off if I keep listening to them. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, that point, because I think a lot of people don't realize that it's not scripted at all, that all right. of the courses happened in a live studio with real students. And that's... Right. It becomes a collaboration between right. the students and the teachers because the teachers create it and they, they pilot it and review it and try and get it as perfect as possible. But those students are contributing so much. And when they don't understand something, the assumption is the learner at home won't as well. So they're right. kind of giving the cues to the teacher, oh, this needs a bit more explanation or I need to work a little bit more on this. Right. Um, and it's really good. And you know, your approach is so strong. You're obviously, you know, an experienced language learner. And I think a lot of people often fail at language learning because they don't know how to approach it. And it is sometimes just about being regular and setting yourself the goals and being able to review things. Um, but I'd like to think that the beauty of the Michelle Thomas method is because there are the students in the classroom already kind of going through those stumbling blocks. Right. That you're kind of given everything you need as the student, um, and the teacher sort of figured it out for you, uh, which is a, a point of the method is that um, the teacher takes on the responsibility for the learning and, right. and can correct themselves and as, as the, um, the course progresses to make sure that you're getting everything you need. Now, I'm just curious because I know for me personally, when I'm listening to the teacher or the speaker who's working alongside the teacher who's yeah. the speaker, I listen to their intonation and how they actually say the words so I can make sure that I copy them correctly. Mm -hmm. And people always ask me, like when I started the Dutch course as a prime example, I was so excited about doing it, I just started. Like, you know, and I, I picked up the accent very easily mm. and someone was like well, are you from the Netherlands I'm like no wow you know that's so, the best compliment you can get <laughs> right I mean like people actually asked me in a whatsapp group once am I American because I didn't sound like I was from the U.S. Mm. every language I spoke whether it was Spanish or French or Italian or I had the accent and I said a lot of it is about manipulating the sounds and a lot of it's about concentration and, and listening intensely about how they're speaking. Yeah. Um, I studied acting and I studied a year and a half of voice. So I, I'm trained voice person. Uh, I yeah. know exactly how you're supposed to, you know, speak. And I also studied the international phonetic alphabet as well. So for me personally, it's not that difficult, but for somebody that is just starting out with learning the language, they think that you need to worry about like the grammar first and then the vocabulary and then the pronouncing. I was like, no, 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 mm -hmm. no. You've got to start off with how it sounds, the yeah. pronunciation, because otherwise you're going to be so thrown off. And EI, the other caveat is you can't use English 
all of the time. Yeah. I have students now. I actually created um, WhatsApp groups and chat groups and instant messenger chat groups. And I have a no English policy in all of these groups because <laughs> I said, you want to speak the target language. You tell me this is the language you speak or you're learning. Okay, I don't know how, you know, well you speak it. But if you want to perfect your speaking abilities, you're going to have to start speaking. Absolutely. And yeah. people often do wait because, you know, it's scary. You don't want to feel like a fool or make a mistake and, you know, knock your own confidence. So they put off speaking until the last thing. And I think it just delays the whole learning progress. Um, progress. And, you know, Michelle Thomas, you are speaking immediately. Right. And you're also focusing on pronunciation immediately. And if you think about it, that's what we do in our first language. We don't write and read first. We right. speak. We, we play with language. We make mistakes. We learn. And there's a lot of, like, kickback on that because people are like, well, how can you start speaking right away? You, you don't have... You know, you need input. And that's true. And and obviously you're getting that as well. But I know like um, Benny Lewis, the Irish polyglot, has been saying that forever. Like speak from day one, speak from day one. And it just helps you kind of get over that initial fear or fear and tackle it right away. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's good. <laughs> Definitely. You, you know, it's so funny you say that because I had the opportunity to interview um, Stephen Crashen this summer. And and we had an hour and a half conversation about that thing of speaking and comprehensible input. And I said, I I have to start speaking right away because that's how I'm able to remember everything. Mm-hmm. I don't write anything down. I'm not I I have partial vision. However, at the end of the day, I don't my readable vision is not very strong anymore. Mm-hmm. So everything I do is by ear. And so for me as uh, someone that doesn't use visual techniques all day long. Um, I feel that when you're learning it by ear, you're absorbing it. Now, I mean, I do mind map in the back of my head. And, you know, so like if, if there's a certain point in Japanese, okay, I do understand the verb has to be at the end of the sentence and that, you know, you take off the, the mas part or, you know, if it's mas, then it's, you know, show or sin or deska, you know, and I just remember those endings at the end. I take off this and I add this and I, you know, and for the grammar aspect of it and that you have the markers and this is what you're supposed to say for this and, you know, and then I'll go back over stuff and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, she just reviewed this and so I now I remember you're supposed to put the wa for this and you're supposed to put the ga for this and you're supposed to, and I could sit there and actually explain this this concept to people. And because someone asked me what was tokidoki, and I said tokidoki is um, it means every day. Every day I do this. Every day I don't do this. You know, whatever this is, I'll eat sushi. No, I don't eat sushi every day. You know, yeah. tokidoki inye um, sushi o tabimasu. Wow. <laughs> so you know, I mean, but I I remembered how it was said. I remember the words in the order for which they came because it was being explained to me using this method. And so it was easier for me to be able to to formulate my sentences. And I actually asked someone who studied Japanese, um, who's African-American. They said, 
Because I told him, I said, everyone's like, well, you have to have so many kanji. And I said, wait a minute. I'm not <laughs> learning how to read or write. Mm. I'm learning how to speak. So, I mean, yeah. is it going to matter if I know the kanji or not? Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like to listen to, like, stuff, and, like, movies and stuff on Netflix. Yeah. And so I said, the good thing is with technology and text-to-speech now, you can have the stuff read to you out loud in the target language. Mm. So I'll have it in Japanese, or I have it in Thai, or I have it in Korean, or I have it in Cantonese. And I sent the, the person, I said, you know, I start off with Michelle Thomas first. That's like a cardinal rule for me. And then I'll go to, like, Mango. And I'll compare it, and then I'll go to innovative language, and I'll use their stuff too. And I said, when I incorporate all of it, I'm able to increase my vocabulary. Um, I'm able to speak, but I don't start any language learning process without having a Michelle Thomas course in my hand or on my tablet or whatever, because. It, it gives me that solid foundation mm-hmm. to be able to get started with the process of understanding the language, not only grammatically and structurally, but when you're speaking it and the pronunciation and how, you know, how it's all, you know, put together. So if yeah. I have to explain this to somebody else, I can do the same thing. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it. I mean, I always advise people to start there because it's also motivating because you can so quickly see that you're making progress and you're speaking and that might be all you want like in your case and a lot of people they just want to speak they want to listen to music or watch tv or something like that but and maybe the writing and reading can actually come later and and that's kind of what it's intended for it's not intended to be you know, the silver bullet where you're supposed to learn all the vocabulary and you're supposed to read and write and and conversations and comprehension. It is intended to just get you speaking and give you the foundation, which you can then use to go off and study. I mean, nobody can ever use just one course to learn a language. Like you have to to bring in lots of different things. And, you know, what you were saying about crashing is I, I have my background as an applied linguistics and mm-hmm. I studied crashing quite heavily and I plus one and comprehensible input and all of that and he's absolutely right um, but you know there are other ways of doing it and I think that the Michelle Thomas method has been criticized because it's not traditional you know it's not here's a communicative approach where here's a conversation and then you break it down and then you repeat and right. and and that's all good, and that's the way I learned to teach and all of that. So I was somewhat skeptical of Michelle Thomas when I when I became the publisher for it, funnily enough, because I'm like, no, this isn't the way that I learned to do it properly. And then I put that aside, and I just started listening and, and using it, and I'm like, but this works. Right. You know, it just works and gets me learning a language and speaking it better than anything else and it's not intimidating like I don't have to sit down and open a book and start memorizing lists and writing verb conjugations it's pleasurable and it's motivating and you know it's fun yeah I enjoy it there's a pleasure in the learning process Um, so it's just so fulfilling when I hear somebody else 
feels the same way because it's not for everybody. I mean, there are some people who are not auditory learners um, or just, you know, don't like learning that way. Uh, but for the people that I think it does work for, they they tend to, to really love it more than anything else. Now, I have a question. How long does it usually take for a course to become, you know, from conceptualization all the way to, like, the final, you know, publishing of the, mm-hmm. the course itself where people can buy it? How long does it usually take? A long time, unfortunately. Um, you know, when Michel Thomas did his first four courses, he actually went into the recording studio for French, Italian, German, and Spanish with no notes and just sat down and started teaching because he had been teaching it and perfecting it his whole life, and he kind of right. knew it. But then for the next set of courses, we had to find people who were familiar with the method, who were passionate about it, but then they had to kind of learn how to create the courses. And then there was a period of piloting it and working with actual students to make sure that it was working as effectively and quickly as possible. Right. Once that's done, and they they write a series of prompts, which are then tested, they go into the studio with the students for about four to five days, after which that course is then edited to create the ones that are are used um, for learners. So a lot of the stuff that's not necessary is edited out, but then we keep a lot of the strong points that could be a learning point for the student and all that. And and then that's kind of reviewed by the authors and reviewed again. So that process alone can take up to a year. So safely, I would say about two years at least to create every new course. Okay, so because I know that my good friend Ollie Richards was uh, one of the students for the Korean course. Yes, and, and that still is not out. <laughs> and he did and it we, in January. You know, and it's so funny because, like, we were waiting for him to come out with this documentary because he was like, okay, I'm going to put it out in May. We're yeah. waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And I'm yeah. like, Ollie, when are you putting this out? <laughs> so he finally put it out last month. And I yeah. shared it with my students and stuff. And then I said, okay. When this comes out, I'm going to, I'm going to get it and I'm going to review it for the company. I want to be able to interview you for this because I want a student perspective, not just a teacher's perspective, but a student's perspective on how they felt about doing yeah, it because yeah. you were sitting there for four or five days. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, how long is the process? Like, I mean, if you have these people in, in the studio, are they in there for like two hours, three hours? All day, from about 9 to 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. And they take a lunch break, and they'll take shorter breaks. But actually, the breaks can be really disruptive from oh. the flow. So it is super intensive. And people have to be really dedicated because – you know, you have the luxury of pressing pause or stopping at home, and they can't. Um, so there, right. I, I don't want to say there's pressure on them. You know, it should. it is as, you know, you can see in Ali's video, it's relaxed. You're sitting on a sofa, and nobody gets yelled at, and the teachers are ready to go over every point or, or feed you the kind of information you need and everything. But it's a commitment. <laughs> oh, you know, I sat there, and I told him, I said, you know, if that were me, I would have been in heaven, okay? Like, they could have had me the whole time. 
Well, I'm thinking that now because you're the only person I know who said that they can do an entire course in like a day or two days. And I'm like, you'd be perfect for being in the studio because you obviously have the mind that can focus uh, for that period of time. Now, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like, evidently I'm doing this in my efficiency apartment. My guide dog is laying on his bed snoring. Oh. And I'm sitting here with with CDs in my Blu-ray player listening to this with coffee in hand. Oh. You know, so that sounds like, good. <laughs> like, like I'm sitting there with coffee and a bottle of water. And I always say if I have food in my stomach, two cups of coffee and a bottle of water, I'm good to go. Um, <laughs> but, but, Chanel's but, Guide to Language Learning. Right there, yeah. everybody. <laughs> so I just tell people, you know, you have to be motivated. I mean, that is the key. Like to learn yeah. anything, whether it's a language or a new skill. And Crashing has said, Do you realize you have a gift? I'm like, I don't see it as a gift. I just see it as I started learning languages independently in my late 30s. I'm 42 years old now. I can speak Russian to a high level. I'm pushing on my French, Dutch, and German to an upper beginner going into B1. Um, you know, I started learning. This year, I went through, I would say, about two courses on Mango by themselves, because it was only one level, which was like A1. Cantonese mm. for six weeks, and then I was able to pick up a phone, give them my <laughs> phone number and address in Cantonese, and order some food, which was a goal. I actually choose many goals. Okay. And so when I am learning something, I pick something that I want to do in the language, like in real life. Yeah. So last week... Or the week before, I went to a Latin uh, Middle Eastern restaurant here in Akron. And I took the, the Arabic I learned from the Michelle Thomas course and some of the, the five chapters I learned from uh, the Mango course. And I went and I ordered me some food in Egyptian Arabic, kept myself in Egyptian Arabic the whole time, even though the person on the other end, their Arabic was limited. And then I was asked, someone said to me when, when I was leaving, can you, when you come, you are more than welcome to come back and speak to our manager in Arabic. Now, I have never had that happen before. <laughs> when I went to a restaurant, ordered some food, they were so impressed, they wanted me to learn, um, they wanted me to speak um, with their general manager in Arabic. That's now, cool. The problem is, the people in the back only spoke Levantine Arabic. I didn't know a lick of Levantine. Yeah. And so now I have to teach myself not only Egyptian Arabic, but Levantine Arabic. Yeah. So I can order me some food in Levantine. I don't think, <laughs> there, I don't think there's a difference. Um, there's a difference? Yeah, there is. Arabic is a tricky one because the dialects are quite uh, different. Um, and we recently came out with a modern standard Arabic course. Um, which is funny because nobody really speaks it. It's it's sort of the academic um, right. way of learning it. But it is universal because it's what students, kids learn at school. Right. So in that way, it's more universal. Although Egyptian Arabic was our first one because it is a spoken dialect. Right. Um, and also it's kind of the Arabic of the media because at least – at the time, a lot of the media and the news comes out of Egypt um, right. for the Arabic-speaking world. But still, there are uh, significant differences between the right. dialects. 
Right, because I have some students of mine that's in my group where they, one of them is from Palestine, and they said that they speak Levantine. I said, hey, I need to learn that Levantine. Can, can we, you know, if I learn some phrases, can we practice? And it's like, sure, you know, um, because I want to be able to go back to the restaurant, like, next month and be able to order my food <laughs> And oh have a God. little bit of a I mean, these are the types of, of goals that I tell my students constantly that you need to have small goals. So, okay, let's say in two weeks you want to be able to introduce yourself, say where you're from, what you do for a living, why you're learning languages. That's not something that's difficult for you to be able to do. Yeah. But you have to be able to be motivated to want to do it. I mean, People are like, well, you need a grammar book. And you need, no, you do not need a grammar book. It's not that difficult. But see, they've been telling people it's difficult for years. Yeah. Native speakers say, oh, well, my language is hard. Why is it, okay, are you saying this because you're having difficulty with English? Um, yes. Okay, guess what? I'm a native English speaker. For me, it's not difficult. It's like a duck to water with languages. If I'm motivated, I'll do it. If I like something and I just want a smidge of it, I'll study a smidge of that language. So if I can say Moi Alin Chanel, which is hi, I'm Chanel in Finnish, you know, Kitos, thank you, Pahe, bye, okay, fine. If all I want to say is Kalasas Mira, Ti Yeniste, Odiosas, okay. Good morning. How are you, you know, how are you doing? Goodbye in Greek. Melina Chanel, my I'm Chanel. Okay, fine. If that's all I want to say, that's all I'm going to say. But at the end of the day, it's your language learning journey. So everyone, mm -hmm. they're, they're doing this, you're doing this alone in your house or your school or your car, wherever you want to learn. But when you come together as a community, you know, you're not, you're not really alone. You have mm. other people that enjoy doing the same thing as you do. They just might do it a little differently. Yeah. You might have kinesthetic people. You might have auditory people. You might have visual people. You might have someone that can do all three. It just depends. You know, okay, I need a book. I need a book and audio. Okay, that's great. But I always tell people, start off with Michelle Thomas. If you can't afford it, go to the library. They have it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, if you want to start off with that and then you want to go on to, like, uh, you can go to Pimsleur if you want to. Ossie Mill, um, mm -hmm. Teach Yourself, Living Language, Rocket Languages. I always give them the free resources first. And then I tell them about the paid stuff. Because... They don't realize how powerful their library is. Yeah, you know, that's so to, true. You know, so. Oh, and, yeah. I, and one of the things that we've done recently, like we noticed that the price of Michelle Thomas was kind of creeping up there, a lot to do with, you know, even packaging costs, the, the right. reality of that. And um, we've recently relaunched them in, firstly, eco-friendly uh, packaging. Mm -hmm. So we've gotten rid of all the CD cases so now the cds are just inserted into the um 
the paper, the cardboard. Um, but also by eliminating a lot of that bulky packaging, we've been able to take the price down because it needs to be accessible. Um, right. And even on our website now, we're selling them, and there's always a, a discount code or something like that just to make it a little bit more affordable for people. And um, and interestingly, you were saying before how you like to review, uh, you know, oftentimes what you've learned and what you've uh, studied with the Michelle Thomas method. And we got a lot of feedback similar to you. It was like, you don't want to listen to the students again. Like they serve their purpose throughout the course, and it's helpful because you feel like you're part of that classroom. Um, but what we've done with the new courses coming out is we've created review CDs um, mm-hmm. and review audio, which is basically the full course without the students. So you hear the prompt, and then you hear the correct answer with the teacher mm-hmm. saying it, so the correct pronunciation. So you're able, you know, once you've done the course at the at the correct pace and the learning, um, you can just go back and quickly review it. And I think a lot of people are going to like that. Um, That's awesome because I I know for me like I just tune out the students. Yeah. Because, well, I mean, and I I had planned on reviewing the courses that I have in my house too because I picked apart how when Michelle was doing them with the students, how one because there's a man and a woman, so. A lot of times the man would get more encouragement than the woman would. It could be because the woman was um, more confident or answering better (laughs) notes. Um, Yeah, I mean, because at first, like, I felt like he was, like, in the French and in the Italian. You could tell, like, uh, especially the French one, the, the one lady, she was guessing and he kept telling her to stop guessing because yeah. he, he was guessing. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, she finally got halfway through the course. She finally got it. And I was like, for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I mean, and I just realized, you know what, let me just listen to him because. <laughs> well, now you can. And it's really funny because um, I, the, so the studio that we do the recordings is the same studio that we did the original ones with Michelle Thomas and it's the same editor working on them and he even says he said and and Sue Hart I think said this in the interview with Ollie that we got into the studio and we didn't know what we were doing we didn't even know what Michelle Thomas was going to do because you know he's not he wasn't somebody like, here's my manuscript and you know here's the editing process it was just like he showed up And he had students. So when they were trying to edit through it, they kind of were figuring it out as they go. And French was the first one. And when I spoke to Rowan um, from, I think it was Alchemy Studios, now it's Chatterbox, I don't know. Um, He was saying that, you know, sometimes I regret the French course because I feel like, oh, I could have we could have done a better job knowing what we know now. And actually this last revision that we did, we, we went through and we remastered it, cutting out some of the annoying things, fixing the quality of the audio to have a better learning experience. Um, so it was funny. Yeah. Cause it. I, cause I, I actually was able to get like the foundation, Japanese, uh, Italian, French, 
and the Foundation Arabic and the Intermediate Dutch used on Amazon a few years ago. Yeah. And so I have the, I'm actually sitting here at my desk now looking at these courses as we're speaking. So um, I sat there and I got the rest of it like digitally through iTunes. And I mean, literally, I just was like, okay, the foundation was great. The intermediate was a little bit better. I get the point now, you mm-hmm. know, um, because evidently, um, I'm curious now, do you guys use the same people for every course or do you switch it up? Switch it up. Um, there are some students who I do think are on a few of the courses, um, because we always try to have an American and a British learner just to kind of represent the English right. as much as possible. Um, but more and more, we're having different people. So, for example, Ali was new and his counterpart in the studio, uh, Kareth, who's fantastic. Uh, we recently had uh, an actor who wrote us, Peter Lovstrom, um, and he was such a fan of the method that he he actually got in touch with us and he's like please create a Danish course I learned Spanish with you but I really need a Danish course because that's my background and I need to learn it and I just love you know the method so much so we said well do you want to be a student um and yeah and he he was a student on one of our courses and so we're trying to get more people who are into the method so learners like yourself uh, to come in, but there's no sort of professional Michelle Thomas uh, students, if you will. Right. Now, I'm just, I'm curious, um, are you guys planning on coming out with other languages? Um, like, for instance, I don't know, Icelandic, Finnish, Swahili, Zulu, Thai, Cantonese? Yes. Yes. Um, we Hotter in general, the publisher stopped for a while, and over the last uh, few years, I've been trying to push to get more languages out uh, because of the demand and everything, and also just because the method should include more languages. Right. And so they do take a lot of time, and they're very costly to produce. But we are doing um, – we recently published – Swedish and Hindi, which were new, and now we're working on Danish and Norwegian. We've just finished Irish, and that's going to be released soon, and now we're in the process of editing still the Korean, which will come out next year, Um, and I have plans on doing more with English from different languages, so right now you can learn English from French, um, but we're going to have English for Spanish speakers and English for Polish speakers. Um, finally, because, you know, the rest of the non-English speaking world wants to learn uh, as well. And then, yeah, there's been a lot of demand actually for Thai. So we might look at that and um, as many languages as possible, really. Because it's funny because right now I'm addicted to the East. Ah, okay. Languages from the East. And so I've been playing around with mango languages for the past like eight months or so and uh, because now that I know it's free with a library subscription and I can speak a little bit of Thai I I did their A1 Cantonese um I I did a dabble of a smidge of Korean Uh uh-huh 
And I mean, a smidge because it was like, okay, I was motivated for like three weeks. And then after three weeks, I was just like dead. Um, so I have found certain languages to be, um, you know, beneficial to me, like, cause I live in Akron, Ohio. So we have a lot of people from all over the world. Um, I get exposure to people that are Japanese, Korean, people who speak Mandarin and Cantonese, um, people who speak Hindi. There's a large Hindi community here. Cool. People who speak Arabic, Spanish, Russian, a Pennsylvania Dutch, Italian, French, um, not Swahili, but um, Somali, um, Urdu. Um, so, yeah, we, we have people from, like, all over here in Akron, especially the north side of Akron. And so I'm able to communicate with a variety of people. So I chose languages based off of the people that live in my town. Mm, that makes sense, yeah. And so, like, everybody's like, so are you coming here? And I'm like, no, I I have the United Nations in my background. <laughs> you know, so for me, it's like, okay, next month I'm going to a Japanese restaurant so I can order me some food in Japanese. And and um, I, I had told my students, I said, well, you know, is there anything else you want to know about this method? I mean, because people are going crazy. Then I'm going to be even collaborating with you guys and then I'm even going to be um you know uh promote you guys' products like heart I already like have two people that's going to buy the entire um Spanish course from you guys um the foundation the intermediate and the vocabulary builder next week so yeah cool I got two people to buy digitally and my um my godmother's daughter is part Puerto Rican part black and so they grew up speaking Spanish she understands it very well she's just one of those people that thinks she's going to mess up, so that's why she doesn't yeah. speak. And so I said, well, you know, she can always, you know, order it and use it in practice. And my godmother's like, well, she's not getting mine. She has to buy her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, yeah, because you can buy and get your own account and, you know, put it on right. your phone with the app and everything. And obviously there's that discount that they can use um, with your code. So that right. helps, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, and I, I I also know that it is extremely accessible with screen readers, which is great because I was playing around with it with the um, with voiceover, and I said, oh, this is accessible, so I can you know recommend this to other people. And oh, I had a question about that. Okay, yeah. so because I bought the Foundation Dutch, the Intermediate and vocabulary builder for Italian and French off of iTunes, uh-huh. would, I, would I be able to listen to those on the app? Annoyingly, no, because Apple is ultimately the distributor for it, uh-huh. and then our app is kind of a closed piece of software, if that makes any sense. I'm sure there's some really technical good term for it but you can't actually take courses that you've downloaded and put them on the app um so i guess you just have to continue listening through like i don't know is it just play on itunes or something like that yeah Yeah. i have it on my my ibooks i mean on my books because they took the i part out um and i've been hearing i've been hearing people complain because they bought the michelle thomas courses on 
iTunes a while back, and now they can't even use it anymore. And I'm like, are you serious? You know how much money that was? Yeah, I don't know why they can't use it. Because the thing with iTunes is as long as you have the same login, your Apple ID, even if you change phones, you can always re-download what you've purchased from right. uh, whether the App Store iTunes or books or whatever so it should still be accessible and um, yeah I mean if they didn't save it on their computer or whatever you can it's there right because I I mean I I did it that way for a while and I said well you know this is easy I can just you know I mean I can still play it but then it'll sit there and say well you cannot play this on and I'm like this makes no sense Uh. So yeah, write Apple and let them know. Or we do have a pretty good customer support service. And, you know, if there is something technical, um, you can write our team and try and help. And we can try and help. But we can't right. do anything with Apple. Right. Yeah. Which is why we've kind of created our own website, because it's a lot easier for us to kind of do discounts and help people and all of that. Right. Um Okay, so I was just curious, like, when did you get started working with them? Oh, yeah, I, um, so my background, I was a teacher. I was actually an English and French teacher, and then I went into publishing, and I worked on creating English language teaching courses for Cambridge University Press um, Mm -hmm. in New York, and then I got transferred to the UK, to Cambridge, and um, after two years there, I was headhunted by, um, at the time, Hotter Education to work on their consumer language learning products. And I just loved it because I was like, I don't want to teach the world English. I want the English-speaking world to learn other languages. So it was a real perfect fit for me. And that was in 2011. Um, and I've been with them ever since, so eight years uh, growing the list. But I, a lot of people don't know this. Um, so the company is, is John Murray Learning now, mm-hmm. which is part of Potter and Stoughton and Hachette UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also the publisher for Teach Yourself. So Teach Yourself and Michelle Thomas, um, I'm the publisher for both of those, and they're under the same publishing umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, so also, we and through that, we publish Ollie Richards and um, Judith Mayer and um, Benny Lewis's courses as well. And so we're really like growing that list. Um, but it's all under a a language learning umbrella. Right, because I, I buy, well, I buy Ollie's books. I haven't done his courses, mainly because I know that they're geared towards people that are beginners, yeah. like A1 and A2. And so for me, it's like, okay, I will push whatever it is you're doing, brother. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I enjoy his books. His books are amazing, um, his short story books. Yeah, so I just got them in Kindle version because um, they were ninety nine cents a book. Yeah, so Amazon got, did a major promotion. It was crazy. Yeah, so I did. I got the German, the Italian, the French, and the Spanish um, for me to to listen to, and then I also have them in audio for the Ita- uh, the Italian, Russian, and French. And I believe eventually. He's coming out with the other 14 books or so that he did last year, which I was able to get the French-Italian. Are those his conversation books that 
he publishes. Because we're publishing um, within the the readers, the short right. stories. Right. Um, the end of this year, we're publishing the intermediate levels um, that he had previously self-published. So English, Italian, and Spanish, and then we might do more of those. But then we're coming out with all new languages, so Norwegian, Icelandic, Danish, Dutch, uh, Korean, Arabic, um, and really expanding the series because yeah. it's such a you know a great he, way to learn as well. Someone asked him the question recently because he's coming out with his um, Japanese uncovered soon, and he said. I would have loved to have written a book in Japanese because I know a lot of people would have liked that, but no. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, why not? <laughs> um, because I would have loved to have listened to, like, some stories in Japanese. Yeah. All your format. And it's like, I understand why, because it took him a year just to do Japanese. Yeah. And and he actually went over to Tokyo and got authentic Japanese speakers, just like he went to um, he went to Thailand and did the same thing for his mm. um, Thai immersion course because he's coming out with a series of immersion courses soon in Thai, Korean, and Russian, and it's kind of similar to his uncovered courses. And so I said, you know, I like how he does things because he makes it so accessible for everybody. And he takes into consideration what people need and want, you know, based off the feedback that he gets from the people who buy his products and listen to his podcasts and so forth and so on. Yeah. I had the opportunity to interview him. So, and I've known him on, you know, Facebook for several years. So I know how he works in that capacity. And I said, he actually said when he did the, the, the Korean course, he said, I've done a lot of different methods, but this is the first time I would ever do something like this. And he was like, it was amazing, but it was also exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't know if you fully understood what he uh, signed up for, because after the first time, like, you realize you just have to go home and sleep now. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Day. So, so he actually said, like, you know, because – when he's working on, like, his uncovered courses and stuff, he'll burn the midnight oil past, like, midnight, like, 3 a.m. in the morning just to get it done. And even though he has a small team of people he employs, he's like, yeah, it's a lot of work to put this stuff together. And it's just, <laughs> he's up until 3 in the morning, eyes bloodshot, trying to get stuff done. And I'm like, that's true commitment to what it is you're trying to put out there to help people learn. And he said a lot of his students are people that's in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, who are learning languages or, like, learning Spanish or whatever language it is. And and he's glad to give people a resource or several resources to be able to help them, whether it's free or paid, um, to learn languages. And he has mentioned Michelle Thomas on multiple occasions. And I said, oh, yeah, that's the – the first stop I think anybody should go when you're learning a language because you don't have to feel like you're stressed out about learning. It's yeah. like effortless learning. That's all it is. Yeah. You know. That's what, yeah. you know, we, we try to make it that way because I feel like it's a stepping stone and, you know, so many people struggle. I think there's always that really good intention at some point 
in everybody's lives, they've said to themselves, I'm going to learn a language. You know, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to learn a language. And and they mean it. And then it's like you open the book and you're like, wow, this is time and effort. And and you can't get around that. But, you know, it's not that Michelle Thomas isn't time and effort, but it just makes it a little bit easier to kind of fit in with your daily life and stay motivated right? because you're speaking. And it just, it feels a little bit like, it feels a little bit effortless, as you say. Um, so, you know, anything that we can do to get people to learn languages, because as you know, it, it opens up so many opportunities and ideas and new relationships and just the whole world, new foods, whatever. We, we know all of this, but I mean, it, it's changed my life learning languages. So which languages do you speak, by the way? All of them. No, <laughs> I am. Um, I speak French to a very high level. And then, you know, just from years of working, I, I know a lot about a lot of different languages, but I wouldn't actually. Right. OK. Yeah, I. I, you know, people ask me all the time, how many languages do I actually speak? And I said, well, okay, if you really want me to break it down for you. Um, I English, evidently, I learned American Sign Language when I was a kid, and I was fluent up until a certain point. And then, because I don't get to use it as much, I would say I'm at, I can remember enough to have a basic conversation. Um, yeah. I'm fluent in, in Spanish and Russian. I can, my comprehension of Dutch, Italian, and French is very high. Like, I can watch the news in those languages and tell you what's going on. Um, so, it's pretty high. Um, yeah. And as far as speaking, I would classify A2. Um, now, as far as my Turkish, Thai, Hindi, Finnish, um, Cantonese, I'm at A1. Um, I dabbled a little bit in Swedish and Norwegian, um, Brazilian Portuguese, um, Korean, and Greek. And Greek. I love that there's just so many. You're like, wait a second, what are those other languages I speak? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a smidge. And when I mean a smidge, I mean like enough to be able to say, okay, I remember Tabat, which is awesome, and Biko American, which is I'm a I'm from America. Okay, I know a few other nationalities in, in Korean and how to say yes and no stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, like it was one of those things. Okay, I have the motivation right now to learn this. Let's go dive into this for like three weeks and see what happens. And you realize, and I learned this about myself as a learner. When you're really motivated, you'll remember more information. When you're mm. motivated to learn something in, like, the present for, like, three weeks, you're not going to remember a damn thing. Like, yeah. So I, I I, learned that about myself as far as Greek was concerned and Swedish, Norwegian, Korean, and um, Brazilian Portuguese, even though I understand Brazilian Portuguese because I'm fluent in Spanish. But... I have a love-hate relationship with Spanish. <laughs> so, I mean, because I learned it in college, and it was only for a degree requirement. So, 
So, yeah. I mean, I, I like the cultural elements of Spanish, like the food, the dancing, the music. That's my favorite part. But don't ask me to have a three-hour conversation with you. I'd rather do that in French. I'd rather mm. do that in Russian or something or some other language I'm passionate about. Mm. Right now, I plan on really focusing on Arabic and Japanese for the next year and a half. And then I'll come back to, like, my Thai, my Cantonese, my Turkish. And I might just want to do conversational for those, Mm -hmm. um, mainly because I'm not really speaking it with too many people, even though I get very good compliments on my pronunciation in every language that I learn. And I think it's because I am an auditory learner and because I'm using, like, Michelle Thomas, like, for certain languages, like Dutch. French, Italian, all those languages, it just becomes verbatim when I'm doing it with other methods, like mango, for instance, and I just, it's very easy for me to just pick up how things sound. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that you have the love-hate with Spanish, because, you know, it was for a requirement, maybe the motivation wasn't there, but one of the things that motivated Michelle Thomas to actually you know, create this new method of learning in the first place is that he noticed that within schools, people just weren't learning languages, Um, you know, dropping out or not kind of achieving the spoken proficiency within them. And he ultimately wanted to change the way we learn and the way languages and, and other things as well were taught because what You know, he created a method where he applied it to languages because that's what he was good at. But actually, the method has been used for um, math and and other things. And it actually all stemmed from, you know, he was Jewish and he lived through World War Two. You know, he was a Polish and then he moved to Germany and then he went to France and fought in the resistance and all this stuff and was, um, you know, put into camps and, and all of that. And, and at the end of that, he, he looked at why this happened and how could this such a thing happen. And right. ultimately, he looked at the German education system and how, you know, the elite were basically educated, and that was important, but the rest of the population wasn't to the same extent. And he said, for democracy to thrive, you need an educated population. And right. and he therefore said, I'm going to dedicate my life to education. For him, that was the kind of outcome and the continuation right. of um, of what happened in the war. And And then throughout the war, he had these kind of, I don't know if you call them epiphanies, but where he was able to like, you know, concentrate. At one point, he was being tortured, and he concentrated so hard that he kind of overcame the pain of it. And he knew that there was some sort of untapped potential in the human mind, and and he wanted to figure out ways of of tapping into that. Mm-hmm. And so for him, it was about okay, how does the brain work? How does the brain prefer to receive information? And how can the brain retain that information? And most importantly, how can it then retrieve that information, pull it out of your mind and actually start to use it? And that was the basis for his method. And and 
you know, it comes back to input in a way. And what Ashton was saying is, you know, inputting it into small little manageable chunks, which are just built and built and built upon and recycled. Right. Putting it in your mind and making it easy to um, retrieve. And and so it, that's what I was saying. There's such a backstory to why these courses were created in the first place. And obviously language breaks down barriers and walls. And, and that became his sort of contribution to democracy to whatever else to language right. to education and learning um, it's it's amazing you know it's not just uh let's learn a language but why do we learn why do we learn languages but you know and it's so funny because i've talked to people like throughout the language learning community for the past year now and i mean people like crash and and, and steve kaufman and uh, Ollie Richards and Vladimir Skoltetti and Richard Simcott and Alex Rawlings and all these people. And I mean, they all say the same thing. You know, it is about, you know, um, for them, you know, they really do love being able to communicate with people mm-hmm. from a variety of different um, backgrounds. And, and they've even said, you know, I'm not fluent in every single language I speak. You know, you're not going to remember everything you learn. Um, you know, I mean, yes, you have a brain and you can store a lot of information, but you're not going to be fluent, like mastery level in 20 languages. You know, there's some languages where they're going to be conversational. Some of them are going to be upper intermediate. Some of them are going to be advanced, but not all of them. It, that's just a lot of information to try to, you know, maintain along with whatever you have going on in your day to day, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said, well, you also have to have fun with it. You also have to have realistic goals, you know, for yourself personally. I mean, because I get that all the time. Well, are you fluent? Well, no, I'm not. And what does that mean anyway? <laughs> right, right. I mean, but to, to some people, they seem to think that if you're learning their language, you have to speak it a certain way. But then if they're learning English, you dare not criticize them in their, you know, trying to, you know, speak it when they're making so many errors, which is great to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I always encourage people make as many mistakes as possible because that's how you're going to learn the language is from your mistakes. And then all the mistakes you make, you're going to be like, well, wait a minute. This is how it's originally supposed to be said or done or whatever the case may be. Um, and I tell people all the time, I make mistakes all the time. I don't know why you think you need to not do that. You know, you're not putting on a performance of Shakespeare in Russian for somebody. You know, that's yeah. just not that's just not how that works. So, you know, just enjoy it. Have fun. Don't yeah. worry about what other people think. And I think that's the problem. They feel that if they make a mistake, it's the end of the world. Someone's going to beat them over the head with a language <laughs> knee cleaver and it's over. And it's not like that. You know? And it's quite the opposite. Just making right. an effort to speak somebody's language. They're like, wow. And they forgive you. I, you know, it's, it's also charming the kinds of things that people can say and, you know, be creative in a language where as a native speaker, you might say, oh, I never thought to say it that way. But that was really kind of interesting how you put that together. So, um, right. Yeah, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Mistakes are opportunities. Right, and I I tell people all the time, I don't have my cell phone open thinking about what I'm going to say when I get up to the counter of a restaurant. 
say, hey, do you have anybody who speaks this language? I'm practicing my language skills, and I just want to say just a little bit, you know, this is what I know. And they're very surprised that I want to, A, even attempt to speak, B, they're happy that I want to do it, and they're willing to play along with it. So, I mean, I've told people this on more than one occasion. Hey, I I don't care. I'm an extrovert. I will go up to somebody. If I hear that you speak Russian, I'll turn around. I won't even say. I'll just start speaking. Yeah. The story. And it shocks people because they don't expect someone like me, who's African-American, to be speaking Russian or be speaking this language or that language. But they're just like, wow. You know, and the first thing I hear is, oh, this is hard. I was like, no, paying your rent is hard. Finding a job is hard. Staying married to somebody's heart, having kids are hard. This yeah. is nothing. Yeah. Good point. Put it in perspective. This should just be about fun and enjoying yourself and um Yes. And not I just stressing I, out. I think that's the problem that people are having. They're getting in their own way mentally and psychologically. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I tell my one hundred and ten students in my group, I say, relax. Just enjoy it you know if you want to post a video if you cooking something from that country in the target language go for it you're using the vocabulary you're learning the measurements and the food ingredients why don't you like practice your speaking live in the group no one's going to judge you this way it doesn't it helps you learn more about what you're capable of doing but then you're holding yourself accountable by doing that activity, you know. And they were like, that's not a bad idea, you know. So, I mean, I've gone the extra mile to tell them, well, if you're using Michelle Thomas, what you can do, go into one of the chat groups I created on Instant Messenger or WhatsApp and start yeah. speaking right away. The more you speak, the better you get. And, I mean, people are just going crazy because I didn't create all these little chat groups. And there is a no English policy. They cannot speak English. They have to speak the target language. So if it's the Asian language chat group or the Asian language group, you speak all the Asian languages. Even if it's a couple words you know, you're doing something in that language. And I was like, I love this idea. I'm like, you're like a professional language motivator. Right, right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, so um, if there was any other advice you would give somebody, like as far as using the method that we haven't covered? Um, I would say don't overdo it. I think, you know, you're a great example where you can do so much, but I don't think most people can – can stick with it for three hours. So it is about, like what you said, consistency, just doing it for five minutes a day, you know, making it really easy, just five minutes, and then maybe go to 10 minutes, and then maybe go to 15 and and go up like that. Um, Right. And then there are, like, little tips. You know, I'm distracted by my iPhone. I'm distracted by work and my kids and all of that. But I also know, like, little things can make a difference, like moving everything that distracts me from my home screen and just putting the Michelle Thomas app there. So it's like in my face every day and I click on it and it, you know, it starts where I left off and I can just do it. Um, 
or just figuring out, you know, where and when is the best place. It does come down to just being organized and being consistent, um, most of all. Otherwise, the method just kind of does the work for you, I'd say. If anyone wanted to contact you for more information, where could they go? Well, um, I would go to, you know, social media probably is Mm -hmm. the easiest way. So we have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram account that's linked up with um, an email. So there's inquiries at, um, I think it's, mt inquiries at hotter.co.uk that's a bit mm-hmm. difficult so that's why i say just go to social media and we're really active there, kind of answering people's questions and solving any of like their customer support queries or just giving them sort of advice as much as possible i mean we share on our page not just michelle thomas stuff but anything that's interesting about language learning in general articles right. anything like that have you guys been to any of the uh the like the lane fest the polyglot gathering the polyglot conference all of them actually at different times and different places so this year we were at Langfest, but only for a day um and i think we'll go back next year for the full time because it was really it was great and we've been at the polyglot conference for the last Let's see, since 2015, we started in New York, we went to Thessaloniki, um, we were in Iceland, and this is the first year we're not going, which I'm really bummed about because I would love a trip to Japan. Um, and then we've been at the Polyglot Gathering, I think once or twice, and we try to support them in different ways, um, you know, doing free giveaways or discount codes or anything like that. Right. Uh, but we we try to make the rounds. Because yeah, I know that I... Someone asked me, was I going to one of them? And I said, well, first, I need a passport. (laughs) And second, um, I have to choose. So if I choose one, that's my vacation. Um, Point blank period for the year. So Mm -hmm. uh, I said I probably will show up next year at Langfest, and I'm hoping that I can do a proposal to Nikolai, Joey, and um, Tetsu. Um, yeah. to be able to speak at Langfest. Um, mainly because, you know, I mean, everybody knows who I am pretty much. I mean, if they don't by now, that's, that's kind of hard not to miss me. Um, um, because of my podcast show and because of, you know, me throwing up videos on Facebook speaking multiple languages to various degrees of proficiency. And now that I have my group and everything else, um, you know, I'm becoming more and more known in that regard. Um, you know, cool. learning, learning, I call it learning the visually impaired way. And I mean, there's a lot of people that are visually impaired that have limited vision or no vision at all that learn differently than what I do. And so yeah. uh, they might all learn by ear, but they might have different ideas of, you know, taking notes. I take no notes. So everything's in my head. So for me, you know, I learn by trial, error, um, a lot of immersion, you know, starting off with Michelle Thomas and then going on from there, Mango and then Innovative. And then I just start watching TV like Netflix. Netflix, my friend. Movies I already have are my friend. Yeah. I mean, Netflix is one of the absolute best ways to learn a language because it's like that's motivational, you know. And right. there's so much out there now, really good quality in 
foreign languages coming out, you know, um, right. from all over. So yeah. uh, that's just a wonderful resource. Yeah. They have a new tool, I guess, now where you can have the subtitles in your target language and in your native language at the same time. I haven't used it yet. Well, mainly because I have an Apple TV, so I have voiceover on. And I'll just go and swipe with my controller using, you know, gestures. And I'll go to subtitles and pick what subtitle I want and just have the subtitles read to me out loud by voiceover. So voiceover is loud enough to where it kind of drowns out the actual speaking aspect where the actors are speaking. So I can just sit back and lay down and watch, you know, pretty much listen to the words being spoken in the target language. So if I know French, you know, I'll just have French subtitles or I'll do another language that I'm studying so I can get the vocabulary down in that language. Mm. So, so like I was doing French with like Finnish subtitles or something. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So that I, I I I see people starting to do that sort of thing now, where they're they're using the audio and the, and the subtitles. Um, I mean, beforehand we didn't have the ability to read subtitles, so unless you knew the language, you were kind of screwed if you were mm. visually impaired. Or completely blind. So now that technology has advanced so much to where text to speech is being integrated in everything, which is great. Um, you know, I just I, I want to see more stuff be produced in languages, especially languages that don't have to do with the Western world as much. Yeah. So I mean, yes, you have Spanish and you have German and French and you're starting to have Italian. They're starting to do Brazilian Portuguese. Um, but it's, if you're talking about Eastern languages like Russian, Turkish, you know, the Asian languages, Hindi, they're starting to do now because it's becoming more popular. But beforehand, it really, there wasn't a large variety of stuff that you could find. And people think because we live in the U.S. that we have an abundance of material. Mm. When in fact, we really don't. No. Probably not. I mean, yeah, when you contacted me, it's. I think I tried to leave a comment on your podcast and it didn't work. Um, I think it was, you know, bandwidth or something. But I had actually never thought of, you know, the, that people could be using this who, you know, were visually impaired. Of, of course it makes sense, but I thought, are we doing everything we can to make it as accessible as possible? Which is why I kind of came back to you and I said, well, maybe you could do a little consultancy for us and, and help improve our courses, even if it's just, you know, making the track listings clearer. I don't know. Um, or what we can do to kind of build it out a little bit more. And I hope to kind of continue that conversation right. as well. Cause I think, um, you know, there's a whole population that we should be serving. Now, I had a question because I have the foundation courses sitting in my house right now for Japanese, Arabic, uh, French, and Italian, and mm-hmm. the advanced for um, Dutch. Now, okay, because I have the boxes, the actual box with the CDs in it. Yep. And the booklet. So, is are the booklets now being able to be downloaded? 
Yeah, they were actually always on our website under FAQs because people lose them all the time and we couldn't just like print them and mail them. So like one day we're just like, just link them all in an FAQ. But now you can go to michellethomas.com and if you choose the language and the level, the booklet is absolutely free to download. And it's really straightforward. In order to do it, you just have to give like your email address and a password. You don't have to like give us all your information. You just need to do that in order to create an account and then right. all those things can live on your account. So, um, you know, if you've lost it or even if you just want to look at it before you buy it, you can see all the language that's being taught um, just by downloading the booklets. Because I was just curious about that because since I couldn't read the booklets, I mean, it really didn't make too much of a difference. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. What about if somebody ever wanted to get the course and they wanted it, you know, let's just say they just wanted the digital side of it. I mean, because... Unless you have, I mean, like me, I still have my DVD player. I still have a Blu-ray player because I still have Blu-ray and DVD in my house, too, not just mm. digital. And so I'm sitting here like, well, wait a minute. How are they, are they, have they put, you know, this on this? Now, is it, what format is it in the booklets? Because I know for a fact that, like, a lot of people that have screen readers, I mean, because there's a controversy on that, too, um, they have, you know, PDF only. There's no, like, rich text format or no TXT because I, I have a Mac. So yeah. everything I do is Mac-oriented. Um, so I didn't know if, if this would be downloadable in, like, a different format other than PDF because otherwise I would have to open it up in Safari every time just to be able to read it with my screen reader. Ah, see, this is exactly the kind of thing that I want to hear from you because we right now it is a PDF, but we can certainly make it available in other formats um, and happily, you know, very happily we can do that. Um, I know that the first thing that people will say to me is, well, people put stuff in a JPEG file and they put it in a PDF and they can't, we can't access it. And I said, you know why? Because they scan the JPEG, they scan the file into a scanner, they put it into a JPEG file and then they threw it up with no text written on it. So you can't read it anyway. Mm. And so I said, unless they're willing to describe what's on there, like whatever text is on there. So if it's, written you would just write out what you what was written on it just mm-hmm. type, type it out so it would be readable for the screen reader to pick up whether it's mbda jaws for windows linux system assets for pc windows pc and then voiceover for ios and the mac so because a lot of people even if you have a braille display paired up to your tablet or your phone it's not going to pick that up all it's going to see is just a blank page yeah. And then it's going to go to the next link or the next bit of information. Yeah, and I think within PDFs, there's certain different file types and permissions where some are just locked. You can't do anything kind of secure. Right. And others you can sort of copy and paste and do that. But right. um, definitely let's talk about it and see if we can get something that's more easily accessible for the visually impaired. I'd be happy to do that. Because um, I, I said I was I had told Ollie about that uh, for his courses because he was like I got like 400 PDFs <laughs> and I said okay um, let me break this down for you so I broke it down 
and I typed it out and I broke it down and he said, I'm going to keep this and keep this under, take this under advisement because I do have other people that, you know, would benefit from this. And I, 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 that's one of my goals in the language learning community, you know, like introducing this to like, you know, Benny and Fluent in three months, which I try to ask questions if stuff that he has created is accessible for people that have print disabilities. And when, when I use the word print and disability together in a compound word, he didn't understand what I meant. So then when I tried to reiterate what that was, I wasn't able to, I don't know what happened, if there was a technology issue going on that day when he had a live feed, but I did email him to let him know this is what I had meant to tell him Mm. These are people who cannot reprint. So, and that even includes people that are dyslexic. So, you know, when you have a print disability and you're not able to read the print very well or at all, or you see things backwards or you have con- you're have colorblind or you have some type of contrast issue problem, then, you know, that's where, you know, okay, so if you see black and white, then that means you need this to be a different color or you'll be able to switch it to a different color. Like, it's better for me if I have the screen on black with white lettering, you know, because of the amount of brightness that the light, you know, draws to you on the screen. Or Mm. I have, like, if I'm doing a video, I have to take the brightness of the camera down a notch because my eye is sensitive to the light. And I can't have my face on camera for a long time because my eyes become very sensitive and I start watering Mm. so I have to do that so I'm like okay if I'm in a studio understand I'm gonna I'm probably gonna have some sunglasses because you know the older I get the worse that gets my readable vision gets so I can no longer use sight checks to write anymore because the concentration level for me to be able to write it is harder now so for me in my daily life you know i have to make adjustments so everything is either over the phone or you know a debit card or credit card or something so you know like i tell people you know everyone that's blind and visually impaired is different when it comes down to how they use a computer i mostly use my tablet i mostly use my phone because it's touch screen I can do swiping and hand gestures and all that. I'm not someone that likes to memorize a whole bunch of keyboard shortcuts and stuff. Mm. So for me to be able to even do a podcast episode, it's a lot easier for me to do it this way and then just import it from here to my Anchor app. And then, you know, it doesn't take very long. Yeah. And so, you know, like I tell people, I'm not, I'm technically savvy, but, only with what it is that I know how to do for myself. Don't ask me to code. Don't ask me to put take apart a computer or put it back together. I, that ain't happening. So, <laughs> so you know, when I when I mentioned to you know like Jan Van R and Lucas Spaghetti of Language Boost, you know, I asked them, okay, so what format do you have your stuff in? You know, if I recommend your products. Are they going to be accessible for everybody? You know, 
I'm an auditory learner. If I wanted to spend 70 bucks on your basic course for this, would I, would it, would I be able to use it? You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Would it, would it be beneficial? You know, because I want everybody to be able to use whatever is on the market in an accessible way. You know, and, and everyone in the language learning community thanks me for giving them a different perspective on, on how to do it because they've never encountered this before. They're learning just like I'm learning. And I said, well, we're all learning. That's yeah. the one good thing about life and education is that you're going to learn more and more every day. Mm-hmm. Whether it's about yourself and what you can and cannot do. And I said, you know, you can learn a language just as quickly as you learn how to ride a bike. It's, you know, you just got to be motivated. And actually, you know, that analogy is really good because the whole Michelle Thomas method, he he compared it to riding a bike. Like, you don't learn to ride a bike by reading the manual, like, nope. and, and figuring it out and reading about it. You learn a bike by getting on it and trying it out and making mistakes and pushing forward. And that's the same thing with language learning. You mm-hmm. learn by speaking and by doing it. Right. And, and, you know, like I tell people all the time, okay, I might go through the first pass or whatever language it is that I'm going through. I remember about 60, 70% of it. And then I'll let it swim in my head. And then I'll go back and I'll try to remember what I learned in that pass. And then that's it. And, um, you know, I will like, I mean, there's things in the Russian course that I had to go back and, you know, because when you're listening to something intensely, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this. And then you realize, well, wait a minute. No, I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it's been very beneficial. I mean, especially with helping me remember my grammar, my endings. And Russian case system is a nightmare. (laughs) But... But it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I said I would love to interview Natasha Brzezatsky. Um And she would love it, too. She's fantastic. Oh, uh, I would love to interview her. Because I, I, when I had contacted you and I said, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to take it one course at a time, and I'm going to finish the intermediate Japanese sometime this week so I can give a comprehensible um, overview of that that side of it and then I said I'll interview the people who did it and then I'll put that as a separate interview so every language I do I'll just interview the people who did it That's so they cool. can have a they can have a comprehensible you know oh because I, I love the guy that does the Hindi oh yeah okay yeah and it was funny because no. I had I had went through the whole Hindi course for Mango like back in June so I remembered a lot of what I had learned from the actual A1 level. I just went through the whole thing, all 10 chapters. And then I was like, well, wait, I remember this. But then there were things that were in the Mango course that were in the Michelle Thomas course. So I actually learned, I was able to reinforce what I learned through that method with the Michelle Thomas method. And then I learned more vocabulary than I didn't know in that course, because it wasn't covered. Ah. And so, I mean, there were certain things that I didn't, they didn't cover. Or if they did cover it, I might have fell asleep. Yeah. And but I mean, that's normal. You can't, 
be right. completely comprehensive in any course. Right. So, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, if you tell me it's one level and it's A1, okay, I got through this in this amount of time. I actually did that whole Hindi course in six days. Oh, wow. Because the first three chapters were really easy. It was like five lessons here, six here, five there. You know, so, I mean, you're learning the basics. Hello, how are you? Good afternoon. All that type of stuff. And then you start getting to the nitty-gritty. Okay, do I need to know how to say directions right now? You know, I've gotten to the point now I've gotten picky with what I learn um, when I'm learning a language. You know, I'll learn it all for the sake of learning it, and then I'll be like, okay, well, I'm not going to say this. So I'm not, you know, but if I have to say it, at least I know how. Mm-hmm. You know, so for my, you know, all the people out there, I mean, I, I'm being listened to in 88 countries right now. Amazing. And so I just got Sudan and Malaysia, and I got, like, a whole bunch of other countries that I wouldn't have, Suriname and all these other countries. And I'm I'm this close to almost making it to 100. Yeah. So, That'd be amazing. So I I said, you know, and it's amazing because blind people all over the world are like, I love what you're doing. Oh, my God, keep doing it. I mean, it, I'm not making any money off of it. You know, I'm doing it because I enjoy helping people. And I mm. said, would you love teaching people? You can, you'll be surprised what you might go through in your own language journey is something that can help somebody else. Yeah. And so, for me, the idea, if I can help somebody learn a language comfortably without stress, and, you know, it it changes someone's life for the better, that means something to me more so than, you know, how much money you make. And, you know, I can tell that when people are doing it for the money, are are you really doing it because you want to help the person? Or are you doing it because you want to get paid? Yeah. You know, because the money will come if you, you know, people see what you If you do doing. something for love, the, right. you know, the, the money, hopefully, will follow. Um, right. It's a bit like karma, I guess. Right. I think, you know, it's great because I hope that I've given you sort of like a, the background and the overview of the method and kind of an idea of what we're coming up with in the next few years in terms of like new languages and features and all of that. And I'll definitely put you in touch with the other authors. And I think it'll be so fascinating to just speak to them because I don't think anybody's actually spoken to like several authors and just to see, you know, how they all approach their language, you know, how, how did they start the process of even breaking down rushing as compared to breaking down Japanese? And obviously teaching these different languages requires slightly different approaches. So right. it'll be a fascinating kind of comparison of all of them. Um, and I'm really looking forward to actually hearing it. Yeah, because I said, well, I will do the ones that that I have, that I got from you guys. I'll do those. And then I will sit there. And I will do um, the ones that I have at home, the Italian, the French, and the Dutch, and the Russian. I'll give a comprehensible assessment of all of those in my own words. And then I will 
hook up with you to interview the people who, oh, well, wait a minute. We got a problem. <laughs> what? <laughs> because the person who did the French and the Russians dead. Well, teaching the Russian, but the French and Italian. Yeah. Yes. However, for those, um, you could probably interview Sue Hart, who was okay. there when they were being uh, commissioned, and also Rose Hayden, who okay. was the first person to create new courses after Michelle died. Um, okay. So she did the vocabulary courses, and she did it in Spanish, um, and she currently speaks Italian um, and is living in Italy and has helped us kind of conceptualize the new uh, Insider's Italian. So I can give you a replacement, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, because I, I was like, well, wait a minute. I, unless we had a seance. Which, you know, yeah, I, we could try that, too. I mean, you know. I'm open yeah, to new things. Did, um, but the Japanese author, obviously, she's she's actually Helen Gilhooley, um, who's one of the Japanese authors, is the commissioning editor now and is helping us to create all the new languages. And she's brilliant. And she's the one who was featured in Ali's video as well. So she's actually the Japanese author um, and is just, you know, brilliant and knows the method inside out and how these courses are created and um, she'd be a good person to speak to next. But I'm sorry Chanel, I, I actually have to go because I okay. have, um, I had another meeting at 1230 I'm afraid. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for coming. Well, no problem. I'm sorry to cut it short because I'm, I'm loving all of this language talk. Um, but yeah, I mean let's Let's continue to talk about, you know, the accessibility thing. Let's get you in touch with those other authors. Um, and, you know, I just love what you're doing and how you're doing it and your passion for it. I think you're just totally inspiring. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Il n'y a pas de quoi, c'était mon plaisir et j'espère vous parler très bientôt. Au revoir. Au revoir. À la prochaine.